are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. Today is day 43, and if you would like to read along with me, you can acquire your own copies of the Mystical City of God from Tan Books. And at checkout, if you use code PODCAST15, you'll save 15% off at checkout. Also, if you'd like to discuss the day's readings, go over to Facebook and find the group Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and there you'll be able to interact with other listeners and readers of our work. Today is day 43, and today we are reading from chapter 23, and we'll be reading from paragraphs 361 to 368. Chapter 23 of the emblems of the holy guardian angels in their intercourse with the blessed Mary and of their perfections. It has already been said that a thousand angels were appointed as guardians of Mary, just as there is one for each soul. On account of the great dignity of the Most Holy Mary, we must assume that each of the thousand guardian angels watched over Mary more solicitously than other guardian angels watch over other souls. Besides these angels who formed her ordinary and constant guard, many others were at her service on different occasions, especially after she had conceived in her womb the Divine Word Incarnate. I have mentioned above, number 204, that the selection of these thousand angels were made after the creation of the angelic hosts, and after the justification of the good, and fall of the bad, the divinity of the word, to be clothed in its human nature, and also as most pure mother was proposed and manifested to them, while they were yet in the state of probation. They were then made to understand that they were to revere them as their superiors." When the apostate angels were chastised and the faithful ones rewarded, the Lord proceeded according to a most just measure in equity. As I said, in the accidental reward, there was a certain diversity among the angels according to the difference in their dispositions regarding the mysteries of the incarnate word and his most pure mother, which were made known to them before and during the probation. This accidental reward consisted especially in being selected to assist and serve the Most Holy Mary and the Incarnate Word, and also in the manner and form of their visible appearance to the Queen, and of serving her. This is what I wish to explain in this chapter, but at the same time I must acknowledge my inability to do so, since it is difficult to reduce to material images and words the perfections and the operations of such exalted spiritual beings. Nevertheless, if I should pass over this matter in silence, I would fail to give a proper idea of a great portion of the most exalted operations of the Queen of Heaven during her mortal life. For next to her intercourse with the Lord, that, with his ministers, the angelic spirits, was the most continual. Therefore, without the mention of this intercourse, the history of her life would be defective. I presuppose all that I have, until now, said about the orders, hierarchies, and distinctions of the thousand angels of her guard, but I wish here to describe in what corporeal forms they appeared to their queen and mistress. The intellectual and imaginary apparitions I reserve for another chapter, where I intend to describe especially in different kinds of visions with which her highness was favored. The nine hundred angels, which were chosen from the nine choirs, one hundred from each, were selected from the number of those who had distinguished themselves by their esteemed love and reverence for the Most Holy Mary. 
They were made visible to the Blessed Virgin under the form of young men in their early years, but of the most exquisite beauty and courteousness. Their bodily forms showed but little resemblance to earthly matter, for they were transparently pure, and like animated crystals bathed in glory, similar to a glorified and transfigured body. With their beauty, they combined a grave and amiable composure. Their garments covered them in flowing folds, but were resplendent like the most clear burnished gold, enameled or stained with exquisite shades of color, presenting a most wonderful and varied beauty to the sight. At the same time, all this ornament and visible presence seemed of such a kind that it could not be subject to the sense of feeling nor being touched by the hand, although it could be seen and perceived like the rays of the sun entering into the open window and revealing the atoms of dust in the air. But the splendor of the angels was incomparably more beautiful and pleasing than any light of the sun. In addition, all these angels were crowned with wreaths, woven of the most tender and exquisite flowers that sent forth the sweetest fragrance, not of this earth, but altogether spiritual and heavenly. In their hands they held palms of wonderful beauty and variety, which were to signify the virtues which Most Holy Mary was to exercise, and the victories which she was to gain by her sanctity and glory. All this they, as it were, offered her beforehand with great joy and jubilation, on their breasts they bore certain devices or emblems, such as we are accustomed to see exhibited in the uniforms or habits of the military orders. They contained letters which stood for Mary, Mother of God, and which contributed much toward the splendor of their adornment and beauty. Their significance, however, was not made known to Mary until the moment of the incarnation of the Word. This emblem or device was most wonderful to behold on account of the great splendor with which it showed forth her name above all the other beauty of the angelic ornaments. Its aspects and brilliancies were changeable in order to indicate the variety of the mysteries and excellences enclosed within the city of God. It contained the most exalted name and title and imitated the highest dignity which ever can fall to the lot of a mere creature, that of Mother of God. In this title, the angels honored in the highest degree their and our queen. Today, they themselves were honored in that title, since it was the outward sign of their allegiance to her, and of their preferment consequent upon their devotion and veneration for her, who deserved the veneration of all creatures. A thousand times blessed were they to merit the special love of Mary and of her most holy son. The effects of this intercourse with the Holy Princess and of their outward beauty in Mary, our mistress, no one besides herself could ever properly describe. They manifested to her in a mysterious manner the greatness of the attributes of God, the blessings which he showered upon her in creating her and choosing her, in enriching her and endowing her with such great gifts of grace and treasures of the divine right hand, moving her and inciting her to such ecstasies of love and praise. All these gifts increased with her age and with the events of her life, and as the great work of the Incarnation drew near, they expanded more and more. For them was gradually revealed to her the meaning of the emblem, which these angels bore across their breasts, which until then had been concealed from her. It would be impossible to describe what ardors of love, what profound humility, what tender affections filled the pure heart of Mary. When this was revealed to her, and when it dawned upon her, what dignity and what obligation toward God this most peerless title involved. 
for she held herself entirely incapable and unworthy of such an ineffable and mysterious dignity as that of the mother of God. The seventy seraphim who assisted the queen were of the number of those nearest to the throne of God, who had most signally distinguished themselves in their devotion and admiration toward the hypostatic union of the divine and human nature in the person of the divine word. For as they were most closely bound to God by their greater knowledge and love, they also desired more earnestly that this mystery should be consummated in the womb of a woman. Their reward of essential and accidental glory corresponded to their particular and signal love. This latter, the accidental glory which I have mentioned, consisted in their being privileged specially to attend upon Most Holy Mary and take a part in the mysteries consummated in her. Whenever these seventy seraphim showed themselves to her in a visible manner, the queen saw them in the same form in which Isaiah saw them, in imagination, that is, with six wings. With two they covered the head, wishing to signify by this humble gesture the insufficiency of their intellect for the comprehension of the sacramental mystery at which they were assisting, and also their belief and acknowledgment of these mysteries which they confessed, prostrate before the majesty and grandeur of the Creator. Thereby they also wished to extol with eternal praise the incomprehensible and sacred judgments of the Most High. With the other wings they cover the feet, which are the inferior extremities, in closest contact with the earth, referring thereby to the Queen and Mistress of Heaven and Earth as being human and earthly in nature and acknowledging her as the creature, excelling all others in dignity and grandeur above all understanding and calculation of the created mind. Moreover, they thereby wished to show that, though exalted as seraphim, they could not keep pace with the dignity and the excellence of Mary. This concludes our reading today from the Mystical City of God. It was a shorter reading today here on Day 43, and tomorrow's Day 44 will also be short just as a way to equal out some of the longer readings that we've done as well. In today's reading, we heard about these guardian angels that are protecting the Blessed Mother. And what a beautiful and pious, holy thought for us to think of the fact that she had a myriad of angels, that she didn't just have one guardian angel, but that she had a hundred guardian angels. And all of these angels came and protected her, and then it seems that what Maria Vagreda is trying to suggest is that throughout her life, at times, she saw these angels. She made the comparison to Isaiah, who saw an angel. And so what did that angel look like for Isaiah? And now that same appearance it takes on. Of course, angels are all around us, as I've mentioned before. And it's perhaps a good moment for us to pause and to think about who angels are, what angels are. I think maybe I mentioned this a bit earlier as well, but always worth revisiting. If you really want to know about angels, two different resources I would direct you to would be, first of all, you could simply Google um, Thomas Aquinas teaching on angels, and I'm sure there's going to be a beautiful reflection that he offers about angels. I remember when I was in college, I wrote a paper on angels from Thomas Aquinas, and so I do remember reading it. And of course, what we understand about angels is that they're pure spirits, and so they're not a corporeal being, but they are a pure spirit. And there are 12 choirs of angels. We know there are the guardian angels. We celebrate the archangels. We pray, asking the help of St. Michael the archangel, for example. And so these 
invisible realities of angels, though, are all around us. I brought out that image earlier in our reflections about think about a football stadium and all those people having a guardian angel in that place. It's incredible to think about. And now here we are picturing the Blessed Mother and the angels surrounding her. And these angels were with her from her birth. And then she begins to see them, perhaps. It's something very much to marvel about. So one of the interesting things that Maria Vagrata says is that whenever these 70 seraphim showed themselves to her in a visible manner, the queen saw them in the same form in which Isaiah saw them in imagination, that is, with six wings. And so they take on this form, in a sense. And I think we can maybe analogize this to some of the Marian apparitions, because if we think about it, Mary has appeared according to cultural customs. Now, she goes to Gabejo, Africa, and she appears as an African woman. She goes to Mexico, to Juan Diego in Guadalupe. She appears as an Aztec woman. And so Mary takes on these different dispositions and demeanors. And so I feel it's analogous in a sense that an angel, a pure spirit then, can manifest itself and maybe become recognizable. And maybe they become recognizable in the way that we have seen angels depicted in artwork throughout history. But we will know that it's an angel, just as Mary knew that the archangel Gabriel was there that that archangel was speaking with her. One last thing that we heard today. In addition, all these angels were crowned with wreaths, woven of the most tender and exquisite flowers. They sent forth the sweetest fragrance, not on the earth, but altogether spiritual and heavenly. In their hands, they held palms of wonderful beauty and variety, which were to signify the virtues which Most Holy Mary was to exercise and the victories which she was to gain by her sanctity and glory. And so as Mary advances in her life through virtue, of course, she has the most perfect possession of all the virtues. The angels are there, and in a sense, as they're guarding her, as they're protecting her, they're allowing her to increase that amount of virtue, just as she was full of God's grace. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, we are reading from the mystical city of God. I hope today, as you've heard this reading, Maybe it gives you an opportunity to pause and to think about the angels that are all around us. And I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.